And uh, we're going to uh, be back in Psalm 23 this week. Psalm 23, we're in a series of messages called Rock and Soul. Rock and Soul. Psalm 23, we're taking six weeks to go through this amazing passage of scripture. And we're, we're looking, our, our heart is for God to bring us a sense of tranquility within that will lead to a sense of stability without. We're starting every single week by reading uh, Psalm 23 out loud together. We're going to put it on the screen for you so that if you don't have the same translation or if you don't have a Bible or an app that can get you on God's word, that you can read it with us. So let's read it together. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So good. So good. Still good. I'm, I'm, I'm this close to being able to just say the whole thing from memory. I, I'm, I've got the major movements, but a couple twos and does. I'm not there yet. So I was like, I almost was like, I'll just do it. But next, I'm going to say next weekend, I'm going to do it from memory and not look at the screen. So if you're ready, I'll be ready. If you're not ready, I'll try and be ready anyway. And if I'm not ready, you got my back. OK, so we're going to circle back now to verse 4, because it's the fourth week, and we're taking a verse at a time. And we want to talk uh, about the valley. Here's what we see in verse 4. A valley, it involves shadows, it involves death. You're, you're like, can we move on? No, <laughs> we need to talk about this. Yay. Notice it's not yippee. <laughs> Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David said, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort calling this message courageous living even when you're scared to death. Come on, how many of you want that? Courageous living even when you're scared to death. Life is full of valleys, all kinds of different valleys. Uh, the valley that David here is picturing in his mind is no doubt one that he had to lead sheep through. Between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, there were wilderness areas full of intensely dangerous valleys that separated safe pasture land from safe pasture land. And at times, with the changing of season and the moving of water and the need to move sheep because of how they would eat the, the grass that was there, you had to. You had no choice but to take sheep through areas that were full of danger full of the kind of things that David, when he described his own shepherding, uh, he said to King Saul why he should be able to fight Goliath. I had to, at times, fight and kill bears. I had to fight and kill lions and take sheep from their very mouth. At times, there would be sheep that would be taken. They would run off with them. And he had to go fight them down. And it was, we're in areas like this, valleys of shadows, valleys of mystery, valleys of death. And all of us to some degree, in this moment, 
we find ourselves in one valley or another or coming out of a valley or headed into a valley. And all of us will at some point face the darkest valley. And that is the actual valley that's known as death. We will face it with loved ones going through it. And we will face it finally in the end when it comes for our time to leave this world. And the good news for every valley is that this verse from this psalm is there to help. In fact, someone once said of this exact verse, verse 4 of Psalm 23, they said, if we examine this verse carefully, which is what we're going to try and do here, all fear of death will be swept from us as the thistle is swept before the hurricane. It will vanish as do the mists before the rising sun. Let's believe that over this Bible study together. Let's not just believe that over some verses on a page. Let's believe that the spirit that rose Christ from the dead, like a hurricane driving away a thistle, like the sun rising that causes mist to be burnt up, let's believe that he will give us the spirit of courage, even and especially when we're scared to death. Now, I don't know. I don't know what your valley is that you're facing today. Maybe it's the valley of an engagement being called off, invitations sent out, embarrassment, gifts, all of this. And for one reason or another, maybe you made the decision. That's still hard, important, but hard when you realize this is this. I think that's the time, by the way, right? Call it off before. But or when someone's done that to you, someone's broken your heart. Maybe the valley you're going through is that you now have a child that you, you, you never thought you would raise a child with special needs, but you are, and it's difficult, and there's pain, and there's, there's embarrassment. And tragically, oftentimes in the church, you don't feel embraced like you should. And, and I want to say this. One of the things that's an agenda item on the highest pressing order for us as a church is to figure out how we, as a church, all across our church, can be poised to minister to families who have children with special needs. And we just want to say we haven't done a good job. And that is a priority for us in the future. To, to not, that we, not that we haven't cared or loved, but that we actually can figure out how to really be a blessing and, and a benefit uniquely to families who have that, that difficulty. And, uh, but maybe that's your valley. Or, or maybe you're facing uh, the valley of social embarrassment or something happened that just caused you to absolutely feel like you're, a, you're, a, you're just a, a leper. And, and just in, in whatever circles you ran in, maybe it was your decision to give your life to Christ. And uh, maybe it was just that you thought the world was going to applaud when you decided to give your heart to Jesus. But instead, many people have, have, have just have turned their back on you, like Jesus said that they would. He said, I didn't come to bring peace to this world. I came to bring a sword. I came to set father against mother, meaning that when people choose to give their heart over to Jesus, their allegiance is no longer over to other things, which at times in your family will cause there to be this rift. And you're thinking, I thought giving my life to Christ, I would find my family life would get better. Sometimes it gets harder. Sometimes the husband doesn't want to stay now. He wanted you just to casually, if you had to, be a little bit into this Jesus thing, but hopefully the phase will leave as quick as possible. But instead, it's just the opposite. And now it seems like maybe he will even leave. And, 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 and perhaps that's your valley. Or maybe it's the valley of a pituitary thing, or a thyroid thing, or a cancer thing, or a financial thing. Whatever your valley is, I want to tell you, it's real. And God sees 
and God cares. And I, from this verse, think that we can see a few things that will give us a lot of help and a lot of peace going through our valleys, and especially when it comes to facing the ultimate valley, uh, the valley of death. The first thing is, and if you take notes in church, jot this down, we have to remember in valleys, remember in valleys, his plan. Don't forget his plan. Don't forget his plan. The easiest thing in the world is to forget that God has an agenda. God has a goal. What's his goal? Kingdom. What's his goal? He's working righteousness in all the earth. What's, what's his plan? It's, it's that eventually every wrong will be made right, and, and, and that the world will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Like currently, the oceans cover the world, which is two-thirds of the ocean covering the world, a lot of water, right? You think about he has a plan he's working towards, and I think we can forget his plan. So what's God's goal? What's God's vision in your valley right now? I'm going to let David tell you. It's to bring you through it. Look at that. That does not encourage you. God wants to bring you through your valley. A valley has a start. A valley has an end. A valley has a beginning. A valley has a, it's not valley anymore, right? It wouldn't be called a valley. It would be called a dead end. I don't know what they call it, whatever they would call it, an amphitheater. They would call it something else if it just was a sheer walk wall at the other end. You can't call it a valley unless it comes in and goes out. And the text says, I walk through the valley. I just came to tell somebody, don't get comfortable in your valley. Don't, 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 get, don't settle down. Don't lie down in your valley and die. Don't, 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 you're not going to stay there. You're not going to stay in your valley forever. You're just passing through, OK? Matter of fact, God said so boldly, triumphantly in the book of Proverbs. He says, the path of the just. If you're a believer in Christ, you're just. And he's leading you in paths of righteousness, just as if you never sinned. You're just is like the rising sun, the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. It might feel dark at the beginning of your valley. It could feel pitch black in the middle of your valley due to turns. But at some point, there's going to be a rising of the sun, a shining of the sun. Son, there's a light at the end of your valley. I came to tell you there's hope on the other side, no matter what you're going through today. It might not end quickly. It might not be days or weeks. It could be years or decades. But every valley has an end. So don't grow weary in the midst of your valley. Don't, don't settle in there. This, too, will pass. A good shepherd only takes a sheep to a barren place so we can get them to a better place. The reason you're in this valley is because there's something better on the other side of that valley. And so what you can do is you can throw a tantrum. What you can do is you can kick and scream. But you could also just keep walking, and you'll be getting out of your valley faster. You're just pouting in your valley, getting mad. You can raise your fist at God and yell at him, but every minute you stand there yelling at God or turning your back on God is many time you could be spending moving through your valley. You see what I'm saying? So how about just, just maybe, okay, I can't walk. I don't have legs. Okay, you could crawl through your valley. Okay, you're on your stomach. Okay, well, just get one hand after another. Just keep moving through your valley. I'm, you, don't have, you don't have arms. You hook some earth with your teeth. I'm just, just, you could do the inchworm, but just, just keep moving forward. Don't settle down in your valley. Just keep the path of the just is like the shining sun. He wants to bring you through. No storm, no sickness, no pain is permanent. It might feel like it, but I read the Bible, and at the end, he wins. So if, he, if it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end yet. The valley is temporary. It's not going to last forever, and death will not last forever either. You pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is not the end of the road, it's a bend in the road. 
you will go somewhere else. Death simply takes you to that next, that next arena. So what we need to do is keep moving. Keep moving. Uh, I, I wrote this down. Make the best of it. Make the best of it. I happen to believe that, 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 that there's no point in, 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 uh, in speaking death over something you're even something that's hard. Make the best of it. Find the best of it. There's something, maybe there's some beauty to be found in there. There's some people, there's some people going through your same valley too. So you go, oh, wait, wait, I'm not the only one going through this valley. I, surely there's someone else who's got some heartache, who's got it worse off than I am. Surely there's someone who, who has less than I do. Is there someone else who has special needs? I'll bless them too. If I learned one thing, I'll share the one thing I learned with them. Maybe I'll learn something else. I'll share them too. I'll, I'll reach out to someone. I'll touch someone. Man, I, could you find purpose in your valley? Could you realize that maybe, just maybe, God led you to your valley because he knew there would be people there that you need to touch and impart some life to? And so in the midst of your valley, he wants to bring eat good out of what the devil brought only for evil? Could there be purpose to your valley that would cause you to have a sense of mission in the midst of what you're facing instead of misery. I wonder. There's a second thing you must not forget that's going to lead you to courageous living even when you're scared to death, and that's his presence. And this is kind of the main thing, really. His presence in the midst of our valley is what gives us permission to not live out of the fear that we feel. And David put it like this, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Yeah. David wasn't comforting himself in his Lambo skills, right? Get it? Because Lambo and Rambo. He wasn't like, I'm not as scared of any evil because I will nunchuck that evil upside the head. Like, he didn't say that. He said, the reason I don't have to dwell in fear is because I know I'm not alone. And that should be what you know in your valley. Don't trust yourself on your achievements. Don't trust yourself on your accomplishments. In the midst of your valley, just say this. I know that I'm not alone in my valley. God's with me in my valley. He has not abandoned me. He has not forsaken me. I know you are with me. And I think there's something beautiful you got to see here. David, for the entire psalm, has been using the third person. He's been telling us how awesome his shepherd is. He makes me lie down. He gets me quiet waters. He's an amazing shepherd. But now he's in a valley, and so it shifted to second person singular. You comfort me. You are with me. His poem just became a prayer. And we who were the audience are now just eavesdropping on him talking to God. What's the takeaway? When you're hurting, don't just talk about God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Because there's something about a crisis that, like, I, I love that David's almost like, my shepherd's amazing. And then he all of a sudden realizes he's about to head into a valley. I'll leave you guys in a second. God, you're with me. You're with me right now. I know I need you. There's just a point where you just got to start talking to God. You got to look to God. And that's the power. I was just this week, I was, I was in a difficult moment. I was hurting and, and I was overwhelmed with some stuff. And I just, I just, I grabbed the steering wheel and I just said, God, you're with me right now. And you're triumphant over this. And you have power in this. And all, I just felt a peace come over me when I, I wasn't in my car alone anymore. Anymore. I wasn't in my car alone anymore. I was reading a book, and this guy was talking about how he was a missionary, and he, he went on a short-term missionary trip, and when he got to the country, he was overwhelmed. There's so many poor kids, and there's so many hurting people, and he's like, God, he was, he was almost thinking, like, how can I do anything for any of these people? But then it dawned on him. He said God was in the country before he got there. 
He goes, God didn't arrive when, the, when my plane landed. God was already there working. He knows all these people. I'm just a part of the process. And I think when you step back and go, God, you're with me, and you're bigger than me, and you're doing something, I'm just a part of this. And you can put your hands down and get to work and do something, because he's already working. You're not the beginning. You're not the ending. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is with you in your storm. He's with you in the deep water. And something about the storm causes you to understand, if you're willing to lean in, that he's with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into a fiery furnace. And the king who looked in saw them in there. He said, did I not throw three men in? Because he told them to bow down and worship him, and they wouldn't. And did I, did I not throw three men in? I see four of them walking, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, interesting about that is he threw them in bound, but the fires unloosed them. So the fire didn't destroy them, but it destroyed the thing that held them back. Hello, somebody. You're going to come out of this valley freer. You're going to come out of this valley stronger. You're going to come out of this valley better for having gone in it. But, but not only that, the storm causes there to be a, a renewed realization of God's presence. It's always true. It's just as he activated that you get to see him. The Bible says, I, 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 I'm near to the brokenhearted. So in the midst of what you're going through, lean into his presence. He's with you in your trial. So you don't have to be scared. But you would say to me, Levi, I still am. I still am. I know I don't have to be, but I am. And I'm not even scared about what I'm going through. I'm scared of lots of things I haven't ever gone through. I'm scared this will happen. I'm scared to death of dying, you would say to me. I'm scared of my kids. I'm scared of my wife. There's so many things I'm scared about. And guess what? So much of what we're scared about hasn't actually happened yet. So we're worrying about things that we're not even at yet. But notice the tense. David said, I will fear no evil. David hadn't died yet. He's talking about a valley he hasn't been through yet. Now, 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 I love this. He's planning on not walking in fear. Some translations say you could translate dread. He's saying, I will choose to dread no evil. He's saying, I, I choose to dread nothing that hasn't happened yet. Because I believe when I do get there, I'll have the peace that I need. I will fear no evil. He said, I'm planning on not being scared. Living courageously is something to plan on, even when you feel scared to death about it. Right now, I feel scared. Illustration. When I travel with my, my children, um, my wife and I, we hang on to their boarding cards. We hang on to the boarding passes until when? Till they need them. So I don't give them to them when we check in. I don't give them to them when we're at the food court having a bite. I don't give them to them in the bathroom. They're going to lose them. What do I do? Right when we're standing at the gate agent, I put myself between the gate agent and them, and I hand them their card so they can hand it to him. So just when they need it, I put into their hands what they need to face, what they're going through at the right time. I dare you to believe that the things that right now that are giving you dread and anxiety, you're tossing and turning, you're worrying about them, you're paying for tomorrow's problems with today's peace. I'm telling you, you can say, I believe that at just the right time, my Savior who's with me, my shepherd who's near me, I at just the right time, I'll reach out, I'll grab what I need from him, and I'll give it to him. And the thing that he put himself between me and him because of, I'll have what I need to deal with what I'm going through. Now, Jenny and I have had to bury one of our children. We've had to face the loss uh, on earth of, of one of our, of our precious babies. And one of the things that people consistently tell me is, I don't think I could go through that. And one of the things I consistently respond back is, neither did I. 
If you'd have said, are you the kind of guy who could, who could have one of your baby girls die in your arms and that you'd raise your hands and worship God, I would probably say to you, I think that might kill me. I don't think I could have faced that. I don't think I could have gone through the next couple of days. I don't think I could get up and preach a sermon afterwards. I don't think I could continue to go on. Like, let me tell you something. God gave us what we needed when we needed it. At the exact same moment, he gave us peace that passed understanding. He bypassed our brain. He gave it to us in our hearts. And as we lean into his presence, we had what we needed. He was the wind in our sails. He was the anchor in our soul. He's a good shepherd who never leaves and never forsakes. And he's been with us through the valley. He's been with us through the years. He's been with us through the grief. He's been with us through the loss. He's been, he'll be with you through your pain. He'll be with you through your cancer. He's with you through your divorce. He's with you through your feeling like you're not enough. He's with you when you feel like you can't go on. He's a good shepherd, and his presence will give us peace. There's a third thing over the valley that comforted David. We know it because he said specifically it comforted me over my valley. And it's God's power, his power. You're like, I don't see the word power. I'm reading the psalm, uh, power, power, power. I don't see power, power, not there. You're a liar. Oh, really? Well, uh, that's cool. But verse 4 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the rod for a shepherd was a symbol of power. Yeah. The staff is a, is a symbol of, of, of leadership. But the rod and the staff together, this is the shepherd's power. You have the shepherd powerfully in charge. It was the rod David would have used to kill the, the bear. It was the rod David would have swung to kill the lion. And it was a symbol of authority, a symbol of power. It would be a long stick with a clump at the end of it, like a root ball. And oftentimes they would stick in barbs and things that were sharp. I mean, you're, this, is a, this is a serious Last of the Mohican style weapon. You don't want a club swung on you like this. This is a savage thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it was the symbol of, of, of a shepherd's power. And, 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 and we cannot read this without thinking of the Exodus. You cannot read this of, of David saying, I'm comforted going through something that I see no way through on my own, but I'm comforted that there's a shepherd standing before me who's holding a rod and a staff. Don't you feel like you've just been transported to Egypt? Don't you feel like you've just left with the children of Israel outside of this land of slavery, this land of bondage? Don't you feel like you've arrived at the Red Sea only to have all your dreams dashed because now there's something in front of you that scares you. There's something in front of you that feels like it's full of death and you see no way through. But then someone who, if you cross your eyes just right, he looks a bit like Jesus, stands between you and the thing you're scared of and he raises his rod in the air. In his other hand, he's holding a staff and when he has them held up together, the waters part. And so you can walk through the Red Sea on dry ground as he now with the staff tenderly leads you and shows you the way to go. Moses himself said, I am just a glimpse of coming attractions. I'm a three-minute trailer. One is coming after me. There's one greater than me who you one day will see, and his name is Jesus. And what David was hinting at before it ever happened is that when you and I finally come to our time to die, and we stand there at this valley of the shadow of death, we can believe that Jesus Christ on our last Day, he will be standing there with his rod to stamp it to the earth, and the waters of death will have no 
choice but to pile up on both sides. And you will not stay dead. You will pass through the valley of the shadow of death if you're in Christ. And you will arrive at the true promised land on the other side, the paradise where you will dwell with God forever. And David said, when I think about dying, I'm pretty blessed thinking about your power, your power over death. A nice, pretty idea, I think you'll agree, if it's true. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want that? I think every one of us would say, I'd love to think that I'm going to leave this world and head towards heaven. I, I would love to have that promise. But I just, quite frankly, don't know what makes me feel like I can, I can believe that's true. And I would point to you our fourth and final of these list of things that we can pull out of this passage that should comfort you in the midst of your valley is that it's not just his plan and it's not just the fact that he's present and it's not even just that, that someone in the scripture said that he has power. I would actually point you to his precedent. The fact that he can say of the, the, this that you're facing, uh, kind of have been there and kind of have done that. What do you mean exactly? I mean this. Psalm 22 comes before Psalm 23. And when we have this great promise of heaven and this great promise of a valley parting and us arriving at this amazing blessing on the other side of it, it's preceded by my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where David wrote, picturing words that Jesus would literally speak as he hung on the cross, crucified between two, two thieves. And as Jesus hung there, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus died passing by himself through the valley of the shadow of death so that he then could make a return trip to get you and a return trip to get me. And again, after again, after again, after again, after again, after again, he will give us the ability to pass through what he himself has already defeated. F.B. Meyer put it this way. He says, Christ met the substance of death. We encounter but the shadow. The monster is deprived of teeth and claws. The wasp was stung, stung the good shepherd to death and has left its sting fixed in the cross where he died. Come on, F.B. be preaching good. He said, Jesus met the substance, so we only meet the shadow. David said, I'm going to go through a shadow of what death was. You're like, that still sounds scary. Well, let me put it to you this way. Would you rather get hit by a car or its shadow? It's a solid point. That's, that's much better. We don't face death itself. We face death unfanged. We face just the shadow of death. It's still scary as it passes us by, but the only thing that will be allowed to touch you if you're in crisis, the shadow. Because the fire can't burn where it's already burned. And the wrath has already burned through Christ. He hung there and took it all for us. Scripture says as he hung on the cross, he paid for the sins and iniquities of us all. And the wrath of God that, that, that was poured out against all unrighteousness was poured out on Jesus. So he can be then called the just and the justifier of them who, who believes. He's just because he said there's death, there's payment for sin. And our sin is all deserves punishment, death. But he's the justifier because he already, in his justice, allowed his, the price to be paid and satisfied for sin. And so now he can call us just because he already allowed Christ to hang there for us. And we can know that we'll pass through the valley of the shadow of death with peace because of the precedent of Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And this is an amazing thing. If, if this was it, if that was it, that's enough for me to be a Christian. 
If there was nothing more than just heaven after we die, I would follow Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, it's hardly complimentary to God that we should choose him as an alternative to hell. Yet even this he accepts. How gracious and how good is our God that if it were only because it were the better option, then he would still allow that to be enough for us to turn to him. But I'm telling you, that's not it. There's so much more. No one has more purpose and more peace and a greater sense of mission in this earth than the person who is ready to die. So here's my question. My question to you is, are you ready to die? The Bible says, prepare to meet your maker. I know you're here this week, you're alive, you're drinking your latte, you're double-clicking stuff on Instagram, but you know what, you're, you're gonna die, and so am I. And when it comes for you to step off this mortal coil, what's your plan? We're all scared of dying. William Shakespeare put it well when he said that he that has 20 years of his life cut off, cuts off so many years of fearing death. We're terrified of death. There's nothing we can do about that. But what's your plan? I'm good. I'm a good person. That's not a good plan because all of us have sinned. I'm, I'm religious. That's not, that's a worse plan. That's not, that's not good at all. Religion can't save you. The only solid plan is I believe Jesus paid for my sins. And then when he rose, he's given me new life and he's going to escort me through the valley of the shadow of death. That's what gives me peace when I stand at my daughter's grave. That's what can give you peace going through your valley. It's, it's Jesus, it's the good shepherd. So I would like to ask you a question. Would you like to give your heart to Jesus? Would you like to be born again? Like the Bible says, born on the inside. Would you like his spirit put inside you? Would you like to know that when you leave this world, you're gonna go home to heaven? And would you like to know that you have a good shepherd walking with you through the storms of this life, whatever they are, whatever, whatever form they take? Maybe you're here at our church or on the internet, you're saying with all my heart, yes. What do I need to do? What do I need to know? Let me tell you a couple things quickly. You have to be willing to believe, to believe in Jesus. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so whoever would believe in him will not perish. So you have to be willing to believe. Then you have to confess that you're a sinner. Scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. He can't forgive you of a sin you won't admit to have. You can't be too bad to go to heaven, but you can be too good. You have to admit, I'm broken, I'm flawed, I need, I need you to help me. Then you have to be willing to publicly follow him. And we'll give you a chance to do that. Every, every week, uh, the second week of the month, we have these baptisms. It's a chance to publicly confess him. We'll even give you one this week as well. Just a chance to say to people, hey, I'm, I'm following Jesus. You have to be willing to follow him. Uh, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father and the angels in heaven. So there has to be some aspect of I'm willing to confess Christ. I'm willing to follow him publicly, to name his name. And we want you to, to walk in the boldness that comes from that. And then lastly, I, I would say this, you should do it now. Don't put this off. Maybe God drew you here for this moment because you have an appointment with death this week. Or maybe you'll live 50 more years, but you'll never feel like you feel right now. Because we can't just come to God anytime we want. We can only come as the Spirit draws. The Bible says that. What if this is your last opportunity to get right with God? What if this is your last chance? This is the today, and today, while it's called today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes, all of us praying. Thank you, Jesus, for this psalm. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise. Thank you for this moment. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, everybody praying, everyone considering where we're at with God. I wonder if you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus. 
you just right now feel. You, you almost cannot help but feel like your heart's beating out of your chest. Every word's been spoken to you. This is exactly what you needed to hear. And that's because God loves you. He's been drawing you for a long time. And now he's got you. What are you going to do? Are you going to confess him? Or are you going to put it off? That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to say, oh, I'll do this later. Do it when you're older. You'll have plenty of chances. Maybe you will, but maybe you won't. What's for certain is today you can be saved. What's for certain is right now is the acceptable time. If you sense yourself wanting to give your heart to Christ, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I want you to pray it with me. I'm gonna ask the church family to pray it with us. And then at the end of the prayer, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand up, demonstrating you're making this decision. If you're ready to give your heart to Jesus, say these words after me, pray it with us. Dear God, I give you my heart. I give you my sin. I'm broken. I need forgiveness. Would you touch me? Make me new. Give me new life. I choose to follow you. Believing you died for me, rose from the dead, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Help me follow you boldly, entering into all you have for me. In Jesus' name. With heads still bowed, eyes closed, everyone respecting the privacy of those around them. If you prayed that prayer at every location, on the internet as well, when I count to three in just a moment, I'm gonna ask that you shoot your hand up in the air. What you're doing is you're saying, this was a private prayer thing in my heart, but now I wanna make an act of the will to, to raise up a part of my body to say, this is a decision I've made. I'm entering into this. I'm gonna follow through on this. When I get to three, you shoot your hand up in the air, just like Christ rose out up out of that grave. Come on, one, two, three. Shoot your hands up, every location, in the balconies, all across the church, new life being received. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, raise your hand. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those making that decision one more time. So good. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching in the Rock and Soul series. I love that we're learning about the outer stability that comes from inner tranquility. And if at any time during this teaching you made a decision to accept Jesus, congratulations, that's the best decision that you'll ever make, and we're so excited for you. Now we would love to send you a Bible in the mail, and you can receive that by filling out a form by clicking the No God button on our website, or you can text the word Fresh Life, all one word with no spaces, to 99000, and we'd love to get that Bible in the mail for you. And if you'd like to partner with us above and beyond your tithe to your local church, there are several ways that you can do that. You can text the word FRESH to 45777, or you can click the Give button at freshlife.church or give through the Fresh Life app. Now, finally, if what God is doing at Fresh Life Church has impacted you in any way, we'd love to hear from you. You can email your story into us by emailing story at freshlife.church or you can click Know God on our website and then click the Share Your Story button and share with us that way. That's fuel for our fire and we love hearing from you. Thank you again for joining us for the Rock and Soul series.